Hi, I'm Dan. I'm a photographer, father and husband. And this is the Booze Break Podcast. This is the show for people like me who find themselves stuck in a loop of drinking more often and in more quantity than they'd like. You're welcome to follow me on my journey to change my relationship with booze and explore ways in which to live a more productive, healthy, fulfilling and alcohol-free lifestyle. Welcome to the Booze Break Podcast. podcast is a diary of my journey taking a break from alcohol as well as looking into different ways to help sustain a break from the booze. We'll be going into the ups and downs as I circumnavigate my way through work, family life and social situations without the hooch. I'll be delving into the benefits of living booze free and tackling subjects such as uh, social pressure, health, identity and alcohol representation in the media. Just a quick warning, there's likely to be some choice language and adult themes peppered throughout this series, so if you're easily offended or have children within earshot, you've been forewarned. Full disclaimer up front, I'm not an expert in any of these fields. My opinions are purely based on my own experiences and a little research. I also want to make it clear that I do not judge anyone based on their relationship with alcohol. Do what you want, drink what you want. But if you're like me and want to change your relationship with booze, whether that be to stop completely, uh, take a break, or just cut down, you're welcome here. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Booze Break Podcast. How are you? How's your booze break going? What are the benefits you've noticed so far since going alcohol free? You can get in touch in the comments of this episode by heading over to boozebreakpodcast.com. All of this kind of information will be in the show notes as well over on the website. It's been a crazy week for me. I was on the radio talking about being alcohol free and bigging up the podcast I was in the papers twice, uh, again, shouting about how amazing life is without alcohol. Uh, I got a coach uh, because I'm pumped and determined to make my goals a reality. I got a personal trainer because I now have a ton of energy and drive uh, to improve my health and my fitness. Uh, We got a new member of the team who joined us uh, at my photography studio because we're looking to grow the business uh, into something spectacular. We even looked at new premises with a view of growing the team even further and supercharging the work that we're doing. I kind of also want to build a special room dedicated to the podcast and be able to have guests actually come and have interviews in person. That'd be awesome. So it's all kicking off uh, and I couldn't be more happy and excited about the future. And if all that wasn't enough, I have a bona fide celebrity on the podcast today. My guest today is Lucy Spragan, who is a singer and songwriter. She first appeared on our screens in 2012, where she performed her own song last night on The X Factor, uh, being the first contestant ever to perform their own composition. Her first album, Join the Club, was a huge success, getting to number 10 in the charts. And since then, she's had three top 40 albums, uh, with a new album set to be released on the 16th of October. Less than a year ago, Lucy decided to make the change to become alcohol-free and as a result has made huge and positive changes in her life. You can see her on Instagram looking super fit, bringing positive vibes and sharing her amazing and inspirational experience of being sober. I can't wait to share this honest and in-depth look into Lucy's journey, so let's get to it. Lucy, thank you so much for being on the Booze Break podcast. How are you today? I'm very good. Um, a little bit sunburnt. I like it. It's, it's. I mean, it's a nice opportunity to be sunburnt, isn't it? But ideally, we want to stress that sun cream's the key. Yeah, wear sun cream, <laughs> guys. I like like the fact that I'm not um, 
because like a sunny day like this, I'm I'm glad that I'm not a massively dehydrated from day drinking all day yep. and sunburn. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, the, uh, the hot tip straight on straight off the bat. You know, Straight off the bat, stop day drinking. Stop day drinking, <laughs> ideally put some sun cream on. Drink some water. Yeah, exactly. So for any of my listeners who perhaps aren't as familiar um, with yourself and your work, can you give us like a brief introduction as to just who you are as a person and what you do? Yes, I am a singer-songwriter. I'm 29 next week. And when I'm 29, seven days later, I will be one year sober. Amazing. Um I write like observational music that's kind of just about all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I tour around the world now. Not right now though, unfortunately, because we're in the middle of COVID, which sucks. <sighs> sucks so hard, but I'm not at the, I'm not at the bottom of the sucky ladder. I don't think. No, no, we're quite blessed in that yeah. regard. I was supposed to be in Australia right now. I know. I saw that. That's that. That would have been a nice place to be. It would have been a nice place to be. And they have quite low COVID rates, but um, I also would not have been able to come home. So oh, can't be I'm sure that. Australia will still be there at the end of this. I, uh, I've got fond memories of seeing you, um, for, for people that don't know you, I guess you, your big your big break was X Factor. I'm sure you talk yes. about that with everybody um, that, that you speak to in, in terms of media. Um, and I wasn't, uh, I watched X Factor and I think probably because it's 2012 that you were in, um, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I might've watched one more after that. And then it kind of fizzled out a little bit for me just in my life. Um, but every time I watched something like that, I always would really gel with the people like, I would be like, not interested. And every now and again, I'd tune into one individual because I was like, Oh, they're like playing it a different way. They're, they've got something different about them. The, the, this is the shittest way of explaining it, but they were just a bit <laughs> cooler than everybody else. Uh, and and you, 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 it was that was you to uh, 2012, and and you just you, you uh, burst onto the stage, and I was like, they're doing it differently. Like I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but you just had well, this I, different for vibe. anybody listening who as soon as you hear the word X Factor, like me, I mean, I was on there. And as soon as I hear the word X Factor, I'm like, oh, they're probably just doing covers or whatever. I was the first person who ever did their own music on the X Factor. Um, so it was a slightly different, slightly different journey for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my first song, ironically, was about getting absolutely smashed. Which I 100% gelled with at the time you know like that i the all the stuff that you were saying i could totally relate to and in some sort of weird sort of turn of events that's almost become like um a warning in that regard yeah. you know to, of what it's alcohol like, can do it should be actually i should put it back out there and be like by the way if you relate to any of these uh, these sentences in this particular structure check yourself yeah I love it. I actually had uh, an email from uh, Sophie, who's a, um, a, a lovely lady who works on the the podcast and does quite a lot of my research into like um, like other topics and stuff like that. And one of the topics that she sent over said that she said, "Dan, there's this new thing called beer fear. I reckon you should check it out." And I was like, "Mate, Lucy Spragan was talking about that like eight years ago. It's not new. Like beer fear has been around." 
What would what like people are saying beer fear? Like beer, like a word. Yeah, so like beer fear is like it, it is the it's the term of that kind of like anxiety. Of, like, oh, hang- I've got that fucking tattooed on my foot from eight years ago. Yeah, man. Like was- literally have the word be- hashtag beer fear. It trended worldwide. <laughs> I, I, I love it and she's like I just, you know like that's that's like a new topic not a lot of people are talking about I was like Lucy was talking about it eight years ago my friend like <laughs> she was way ahead of the curve when it comes to that's beer so fear funny. I call it hangxiety um yeah that is like the thing I miss absolutely the li- like the least is that vile anxiety yeah it sucks man I still have like a bit of anxiety because that's in my genetic makeup but i would say i have 95 percent less yeah. irrational anxiety now it's it's one of those things that i i suffered with it as well i think it's once you've been through it it doesn't really leave you you just find ways of kind of coping with it a little bit better through wh- whatever you use to kind of get through stuff like that i say it's like an outfit in your wardrobe mm. so like depression and anxiety they don't go away you just put them in the wardrobe and yeah. some days you will wear that outfit yeah that's a really nice way of putting it i like that it's you know it's one of those isn't it it's it's a, it's a tough topic and it creeps up a lot around the topic of alcohol um, well, because alcohol is literally a liquid depressant. Exactly. It's not, that's not even a sober person being righteous. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. Like it is a depressant. It's a depressant on your nervous system. It's like fully just bad for you. Yeah, man. I did a, 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 an episode recently with um, Dennis Simsek, who is the anxiety guy on YouTube amazing guy and i actually as, as like daft as it sounds i attribute a lot of my recovery to him as well as some other things i did like some therapy um and he talks about this thing of like just having like a couple of drinks fucks you for a week in terms of anxiety just those couple of drinks you know you don't have to be getting hammered every single day to be suffering with anxiety you get this kind of hangover loop and it's it's um it's it's big and it takes a while to get out of that loop you know uh, but when you do it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Like being drunk is a direct, a direct, um, like symptom of poisoning yourself. Mm-hmm. So like if you were to like drink a poison yeah, and it made you sick, that is like, that is what alcohol does. Like one of the symptoms of, of the poison that you've done is being drunk, the feeling of being drunk. Yeah. That's why if you drink too much, you chun. <laughs> exactly exactly and there's there's so many so much weird science about it isn't it it's like I've, I've always been fascinated with the fact that you know you give someone who's never drank before a bottle of wine and get them to drink it they'll be like in the hospital um mm-hmm. and then you give someone who's been who's like got like a dr- drinking career behind them you give them that bottle of wine it's like a warm-up you know yeah it's crazy how me. the body yeah <laughs> it's crazy how the body can kind of that's my starter it's, I, I love that the body in that respect is constantly just trying to keep you alive. Yeah. It's crazy. And like, I just have never had any respect for my body, you know? I actually never did. No. And I've realised that now. Uh, I've lost three stone. I I run. I work out. I I have an active lifestyle, which I just never had. Yes. And like, I didn't want it. I didn't care. No. He's getting so drunk. Do you know what? I don't, not sure I've said this out loud, but I would drink so much that I felt so full I couldn't drink anymore. I'd make myself sick on purpose. 
as some pe- students out there would call this tactical chundering. Absolutely. And doing more. Bonkers, isn't it? You know? It's fucked like, up, isn't it? Like stuff's supposed to stay in. Like mm. uh, like, uh, like being sick isn't like a natural thing that you should want to ever do, really, you know? I think the the Romans and the Tudors that like, actually a lot of people in the past had these like houses where they'd go to make themselves sick when they were so full. Yeah. Because like glut- being gluttonous was such like a status thing. And I just find it funny that in like 20, 20, the 21st century, we're just making ourselves sick to drink some more. Exactly. Yeah, I'd rather do it for food, I think, if I was going to do it at all. I don't know if you've seen Limitless with Bradley Cooper. No, but I keep meaning to because the, uh, the I had the unlimited beer guy on the podcast recently. Have you seen that beer? No. Uh, it's like a brand new, he's on one of my episodes. It's worth checking out. But he references that because that's where the name Unlimited Beer came from. Was oh, he, right. he he watched Limitless and I was like, nah, mate. And he was like, oh, you got to watch it. It's got Bradley Cooper in it. It's amazing. But Did he, he, he said explain that. it to you? Yeah, yeah. So he takes this pill and it opens up his mind. I, I remember seeing it advertised. But um, I didn't, I never, I never actually watched it. If there was it. a way I could explain sobriety to, to a person, I'd be like, watch Limitless. He said that. He said that exact same thing. I've got to watch it. I've got to watch it because I'm just going to do a whole whole, uh, whole episode just on Limitless, yeah. I reckon. But yeah, it, 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 it looks it looks legit and it, sound, it sounds about right. But he, it's bizarre that he said it exactly the same uh, the same way. Maybe I need to get Bradley Cooper on the show if you've got any. He's uh, sober. Oh, there you go. Like, um, I wish there was like a directory of sober celebrities that are open to doing <laughs> really low number uh, podcasts. And I could I just talk about I, I just think more people would be because I'm bored of talking about the things I have to talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not bored about talking about sobriety. Yeah, man. It's cool. And it's, um, I've said this a couple of times to people that I speak to. There's not a lot of really, really positive and I hate like using the term like role model, um, but role, like positive role models who are sober as a choice and not because it, they took it too far. Um, you yeah. know, and, like, and there's always going to be a stage where you take it too far, obviously, but you've not hit rock bottom and it's like, fuck, like I cannot ever drink again because I've, I've ruined my life. You know, it's like people that have just gone, they've taken a step back and gone, actually, I want to give, I want to give not drinking a go. And, mm. and, and I'm not doing this from a place of I had to go to rehab because I was getting all this kind of press and all this kind of thing. Um, I think it's nice to be able to sort of have people, you know, in the sort of the public eye who are going, actually, I'm just kind of doing this as a choice because it's better. Um, yeah. And I stopped when I stopped drinking, I went to AA. Oh, did you? I was like, am I, am I an alcoholic? Because I can't really can't just have one because no. I just take things too far every time. Absolutely. But I went and I was like, I don't I don't agree with the fundamentals of this at all. No. I'm not going to punish myself. I'm not going to look for a higher power. I'm not going to say I need to apologize to people because there are people I've had to apologize for things for, but it's not, you like, it's not imperative to my survival. Absolutely. And I'm not in recovery. No. I'm not recovering from anything no i just don't drink yeah that's it and this is what the podcast is about and that was kind of why i started it i didn't feel like there was a lot of spaces apart from like 
Sober Girl Society uh, and a few of the other places that, that are kicking around that are doing really, really good work um, for people. I, w- I wanted this to, the Booze Break podcast to not only like sort of target people who haven't got to that stage where it's like rock bottom, your typical idea of what, a, what an alcoholic is. It's someone that's like me. I was quite a heavy drinker, to be fair. So I, I maybe we kind of relate on on the same thing of like, I wasn't like two or three times a week having a few like which is and I do um kind of potentially um market myself to people like that um but like I would I would drink every single night without fail a decent amount but not so much that I couldn't go to work the next day um but I wasn't going to work 100% and I wasn't getting up with my daughter and being 100% I was always like foggy muzzy headed you know not quite there um, and it has like a knock-on effect. And, and what I found was the different, and the thing for me was I couldn't stop. Does that mean, I don't know whether that makes me an alcoholic, but I just, yeah. I couldn't well, stop. Here's the thing. This is one thing that I, cause I read the AA book because I want to understand this movement from all different people's perspective. And I want to be able to talk to people who consider themselves to be alcoholics too. Sure. And so I was like, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Then I read this part. Well, the fact is I don't give a shit if somebody thinks I'm an alcoholic or not. Mm-hmm. And if you want to call me an alcoholic, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Because I don't mind. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But there's one thing I read was um, the alcoholic doesn't have to wake up every single day and drink in mm-hmm. the morning, right? They don't even have to drink every single day. The alcoholic, imagine there's a hot stove. The alcoholic puts their hand on the hot stove, burns the hand, goes, ah, takes the hand off and says, right, I'm not going to burn myself this time. Here's how. And they put their hand back on the stove Mm -hmm. and they burn the hand again. And then they do the same thing over and over again. So to me, I would go out and get hammered because I was like a blackout drunk, Mm -hmm. like drink to excess. That was me putting my hand on the stove. Then I'd take my hand off the stove. I'd have my hangover. Then the next day I'd be like, right, I'm only going to drink red wine from now on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd do the same thing, drinking red wine. And then... I'd be like, right, yeah, no, 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 not red wine. I'm going to stop drinking shots. Yeah. But that was me just constantly burning my hand. So I thought, well, maybe I am. So if I am, I am. If I'm not, I'm not, but I don't drink anymore. So. I just want to take a quick break to let you guys know about my Patreon. So if you're liking the content that you're listening to uh, on the Booze Break podcast, you can actually show your support by going over to the Booze Break website, which is boozebreakpodcast.com. Right at the top there, there's a little button that says donate. You can click on there and it goes straight to my Patreon page. This is where you can actually pledge a sum per month to help support the the show and me. First of all, that's really generous and and thank you. But also you do get um, some benefits to that as well. Different tiers that you can um, go to. There's actually this legend, warrior and godlike behemoth. With the legend tier, which is just £7.50 a month, uh, you can actually get access to new episodes before they get released on their official release dates. And uh, you can cancel this at any point. Of course, you're not tied into anything necessarily. With the uh, warrior tier, which is £15 a month, you get early access to the episodes, you get a, a coveted booze break sticker and access to the private Facebook group for people who are on a booze break and, and want to join a community and help support each other and with you know with positivity and hints and tips. And then you've got Godlike Behemoth, which is £30 a month. If you donate that, you're an absolute star and, and I can't thank you enough. With this, you get early access to episodes, you get a shout out on one of my podcasts 
Uh, you get the Booze Break sticker, you get access to the private Facebook group, and you also get an epic Booze Break t-shirt as well. So any support that you guys could give would mean a huge amount to me. Uh, notoriously, podcasts don't don't earn a great deal. So any bit that you can give would, would make a huge difference and it just keeps me motivated and, and able to be producing content and taking the time out to do research and, and put these episodes out. So I thank you. Back to the episode. Can you remember like going back, what was your first like vivid memory of either drinking or being drunk? I am writing a book at the moment. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, it's just a book about everything, really. And I have just covered in it the first time I was pissed. Ooh. And um, it's dark because I was seven years old. Holy shit. That's young, yeah. man. And I covered it in the book um that it it was an accident and me and my friend my my family are big drinkers big parties and like it was always happy parties people dancing on tables and our house was always full but I also remember like walking to the bathroom in the morning and my mum's friend would be like being sick in the sink and sitting on the toilet at the same time so I realized when I was writing my book I thought huh those extreme hangovers from extreme drinking was completely normal to me from as early as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And that was a real like eye opener. But after one of those parties, me and my friend went into the garden and we, we found a bottle of Coke, big litre bottle of Coke. And we mm-hmm. were like, score, because we weren't allowed to drink Coke. Yeah. And so we drank this Coke and I remember being like, look, it's gross. And then I sat on the swing, fell off the swing backwards, and the world was just and turns out like the coke's just full of vodka. It's just like left over from the party. Mate, that's rough. Yeah, it's fucked. It's so fucked up. Seven years old. That's gotta be a record, surely. But you see, like, I don't think I enjoyed that experience at all because like like you say, you give someone who's never drunk before a bottle of wine, give a seven-year-old vodka and Coke. And and my friend was like younger than me and it ended up bad. Like he, he got really ill. And like, I completely understand that was an accident. Mm-hmm. And like somebody left it out there in the garden. We were up first. I can imagine it happening, but I can't imagine it happening to a kid in my care. No. No. Now, however, when I was drinking to an excess and I was still in bed and one of my friends had left a vodka and coke bottle outside, I don't know. I don't mm. know. So like, yeah, it's, it's dark. Uh, that reminds <laughs> me of like those kids, like, and it, and then th- this was like more like our parents' generation who accidentally like drank some paint thinner because it was like left out. Like there was so many kind of cases of that that I've heard of, of like people accidentally drinking like really poisonous, like kitchen um, sort of chemicals and stuff. Uh, but then now it's like, uh, like, like, you know, behave yourself with that. Everyone knows that like, you don't put like washing tabs near the floor, you know, as a oh, parent all that yeah. kind of shit. But then, yeah, like booze, like vapes and stuff like that. Like they just get kind of still get lying around. It's going to take a few kind of like rough cases like that to, to make people yeah. think twice, I think. Well, like when I was telling that story to myself via Microsoft Word, I was like, fuck, and hell, that's fucked up. And then after that, I was, you know, I was a career drinker from like the next, the next 
paralytic thing I remember is when I was 12 and there was an inset day at school my mum went to work and I like thought I was Billy Big Bollocks and like made a shit mix out of her spirit cupboard and got absolutely wasted in the park yeah. in my school uniform like and then after that it's just a series of like you know being in an ambulance having my stomach pumped like it, and then it just carried on. Are you you had the full treatment, the stomach pump and everything. Oh, I've like fucking like I say, I've been arrested. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've done it all. Literally, when people ask why I don't drink, I'm like, because there's nothing you could say yeah. that I, you know, oh, I've done this when I'm pissed. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I joined a cult once. I think what you joined a cult. Yeah, yeah. Can you name it's another it? Another kind of story. Oh, no. okay, no. <laughs> like I signed up, like absolutely smashed, right? Because I I used to just talk nonsense as well when I was pissed. So I signed up to this um, cult and uh, like paid. I was paying like fifty quid a month for this. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were too hardcore to be drinking. I think. Oh yeah. You know, people I say mean, like still quite hardcore. Like. If people ever say, like, you're boring because you don't drink, it's like, I'm so not boring that I can't drink. Like, <laughs> I'm too extra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you wouldn't, yeah, you couldn't even fathom the stuff that I've done as a result of alcohol. <laughs> like, it's just not fun to go out with me when I'm drunk because I will I will find us some trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can find trouble sober. I'm like classic trouble attractor. I can see that glint in your eye as I'm looking at you, actually. The, like, the, <laughs> like I've got a concerned feeling just by looking into your eyes. Um, that's cool. I like that. But yeah, man, I, that, that's, that's a hell of a career. And this is what I find fascinating about the grip that alcohol has on, on people it, uh, through the media, through society and through expectations is... You were hospitalized as a result of alcohol and yet you came back for more, you know, it's like, it's got that grip on you and you probably weren't like at that stage, you wouldn't have said that you were like dependent, addicted or anything like that. Would you say? No, 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 I was just a kid. Yeah. I was just a kid who, like you say, when you look in the news, you look anywhere, it's like everyone's drinking. Hmm. Like I drove past today, actually. Drove past, or was it yesterday? A bus stop with a big Smirnoff um, bottle, and it said uh, "found behind bars," mm-hmm. and it had like a prisony-looking thing on yeah. it. And I was like, "Isn't that fucked up that you could drive past there with your kids, and like subconsciously, there's just this big fucking liter of vodka on the bus stop? Why? Yeah. Why is that there?" Yeah, absolutely. And is that appropriate? Absolutely not. No. It's um it's a bit like the smoking thing. Like it's yeah. it's going to come around, I'm sure it will eventually. But um I mean I, I dive into this a few times and again I don't want to I don't want to seem like a crazy conspiracy theorist and, and 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 be sort of all high and mighty about these kinds of things, but like they got rid of smoking advertising because it was killing people. People you didn't want to glorify smoking to people it's a choice that you make but don't but don't put it into the media don't put it into tv things like that okay let's stop that now we'll we'll stop smoking advertising and stuff but alcohol was always a bigger killer than cigarettes ever were you know and drugs yeah it kills more people and the illnesses linked to it diabetes um obesity 
breast liver cancer. Liver failure. Yeah, and, and cancers. Yeah, breast cancer. Fifteen percent uh, more likely to develop breast cancer if you if you drink moderately. That's moderately. fucking I've scary. Never, I've never done anything moderately. Either. No, <laughs> me neither. I don't think. <laughs> I think uh, there was a, uh, half the reason why I thought it was it would be so cool to get you on the show. Apart from the fact that I've never been hospitalised as a result of alcohol. Uh, I felt like there was a lot of stuff reading back from, um, you know, posts that you've put and your story. I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Maybe not, maybe not as, as such of a, you know, epic level, but uh, the thought process, I can see it happening in my own head, all of these kind of situations. Um, mm. And we're not alone in, in that regard, you know, and people might think that people like yourself are more extreme cases of you know how you would use alcohol especially through like your adolescence and your early 20s and stuff like that but it's not you know i like the day i gave up drinking i gave up drinking on a sunday mm-hmm. because on the saturday night i got so smashed i don't think i've ever told anyone this because it was it was less than a year ago mm-hmm. i got in a fight oh wow i got in an actual fist, physical fight fist fight fist fight and punched somebody <laughs> Did you they know him? punched me. No. Oh. <laughs> I've not told anybody this. <laughs> it's an exclusive for you. And like, my whole life has fallen apart. It's in the middle of, of a divorce. That's the reason I got so smashed because I've always drank to just be like, forget about whatever's going on. And got in a fight. And when I got home, I had loads of friends at my house and it all, all the drama kicked off and I just woke up in the morning and I was like, do you know what? fuck this life mm-hmm. because none of this do you know what I've had nearly a year of a life of just loveliness mm-hmm. just pure positive vibes pure positive vibes I love it and you see that you see that from the stuff that you put out there it's all smiles it's all positive energy motivation and you know you can see it in the changes in yourself um, massively you know that, that's going to inspire other people as well which is amazing it's just yeah i just it's it's i'm preaching to the choir here but it's the one catalyst that i had to remove i didn't remove anything else absolutely like there were life things that were going on for me yeah my whole life is completely different now people have gone uh possessions have gone certain bits have changed around but the one catalyst that is the my fitness and my happiness is a direct result of is alcohol is gone. Yeah. Oh man. And the the people that I speak to as well, who have gone through this transition of kind of not drinking either for a set period of time and come back to it with a healthier view, or they're just not, most of them have just not, they've just not drank again um, because they've just realized that actually their life's a lot better. Um, And when you look back at their timeline um, of like how much their life changed because they're, they're coming on my podcast because they've done something amazing other than just stopping drinking most of the time they've done they've changed their life they've done something unique um, and when you and they don't realize a lot of the time that the catalyst was always stopping drinking they did that first and that gave them the energy the motivation the drive the time 
to be able to, first of all, think and reflect on their life. And they do that kind of like, what is this life? You know, um, what, why am I here? What's the purpose? All that kind of stuff. Um, because I think, you know, you can kind of, kind of you know, when you're in, when you're in drinking, you kind of deal your senses around that. And it's just like, well, you just go through the motions, you know, um, go from one bit of enjoyment to the next bit of enjoyment, you know, and, and that's pretty much it. You're waiting for the next time to have a piss up or something. Literally. Yeah. I, I have a camper van, right? And I love my camper van. I do everything in it. I like, I go fishing in it. I'm going camping in it next week. I love it. The reason I bought a camper van was so that I could go places and stay yeah. there without having to get a hotel or stay in somebody's house. It was fucking expensive. I love it now, but I the, the 100% the reason I bought that camper van is so I could drink. Yeah. It's amazing how much of your life you move around alcohol. I'm a self-employed photographer. Like I look after my own diary. Um, everything that I that, that I do is a, is a purpose of me kind of going, yeah, I'm going to put that there. And for forever, forever since I started my business in 2012, um, I've never put stuff early because I knew I'd be hungover or fuzzy. Literally. Yeah, literally like, yep. I, 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 like I would specifically go, oh, I can't put that. I can't put that thing. I would put off work because I knew. I would be drinking the night before because I'd, uh, you know, and it wouldn't just be because it was a party. You'd be like, oh, well, that's, I've, I've not got a lot on that day. So I'll probably go and have a few beers and stuff. And um, that's me up and dress that. Yeah. 100%. Like I didn't make, I did not make plans on Sundays mm -hmm. or because I'm a musician any days really. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to uh, touch on to the, you know, how alcohol comes into your career as a musician a little bit later on because that's something that I can't relate to at all and I'm fascinated to hear anything about that. I want to touch on uh, some lyrics from from Beer Fear which was um, you know the the song that really got everybody's attention. Sorry, it's not called Beer Fear, it's called Last Night in brackets Beer Fear. <laughs> Um, which was released, I think, was it, am I right in saying it was released in 2013? I keep getting different messages. Yeah, it that. was technically released before that, uh, but then when I was on the show, I took it down, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I, then it was released in 2013. So the lyrics go, um, wish I could stop, and I'm not joking, drinking too much and socially smoking. Wish I could stop and start to behave and then wake up in the morning and never miss a day again. Yeah. And so back then, you know, when you were in the thick of it, you were like, it was like regretful lyric, song lyrics, you know, it's like, I wish I could stop this, you know, in, in that respect, like it, the, the, all the things were there. The whole song is like, these are all the awful things I've done. Yeah. I literally wish, like, if I, I, this is a good idea, actually, I might like play it in a minor key on the piano. Oh yeah. Okay. Doom it down. Mm-hmm. I feel you. And play it again, like in a sad way. Yes. Do it. Because like, that'd be quite funny. Yeah, man. It's dark, man. It is dark. Oh, what about your new music? Have you, have you got any references to, you know, this, this oh, journey as, as you're, as you're writing songs? There's a song called now? Sober. I thought, I thought I'd heard that. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. I'm excited for this. But that's not um, out now, right? No, it's out in October. It's all the reasons. I wrote it a week after I decided not to drink. And oh. it's like, um, 
I somehow made another morning. Um, the sun comes seeping in the blinds. Who I've hurt or what I've done? If I did drugs, did I throw up? Um, some, I like something about wanting to make a choice that's really mine. And so you wrote you wrote that like not from a re- retrospective point of view of this is all the f- amazing stuff that's happened as a result of getting sober, like you were a week into it, like in the struggle still, but like yeah, this looking was like, forward. This is- this is why mm-hmm. like if I want to be someone that that I believe in I know I need to get rid of this shit if I'm going to be someone that people like full term I need to stop drinking this absolutely so and there there are songs like there's a song called wild and it's about a woman who's just like at the end of her tether and it's like really empowering and it's like sh- uh, she's wild already she don't need the whiskey you better get your gun um and like, there's a lot of references on the cover of this album. It says choices. It's like a motel setting. Um, and in the neon outside the motel, it says 100% refrigerated sober bar. Oh, I like that. There's, so there's like Easter eggs from each song on the cover. One of the things that I'm always fascinated with, because I don't think I really thought about it a great deal. What do you think you actually got? from drinking if you could look back like did you ever think about like like why am i drinking at the time no no (laughs) No. you just do it don't you you just do it yeah well culturally we're as we discussed completely inclined Mm -hmm. somebody has a baby wet the baby's head Mm -hmm. let's get drunk somebody dies right okay let's go and get you a beer drown our sorrows yeah let's graduate oh here's a bottle of champagne sell out a venue Here's a bottle of whiskey. Like, we give gift. Most cultures don't give alcohol as a gift. Really? Yeah. Like, it's not. It's not a thoughtful gift to buy someone a bottle of wine. No. It's so easy. It's an easy gift. Yeah. It's like saying, "I don't know you that well. I don't really give a shit." Or, "I know you, and all you are is drinking." So you go, "I." That's the only gift I ever got. Yeah, totally. And and, and to be honest with you, it was the only gift I ever asked for was whiskey mm. like i'm like yeah. get me whiskey because it's mega expensive and i'm skinned yeah like please please, please <laughs> and it's please, great yeah please send <laughs> me whiskey tastes delicious. there's like a running joke that um oh i shouldn't say this in case my granddad's listening um he uh he would always buy me this bottle of whiskey and it's lafroig i don't know if you've ever heard of it it's like super smoky peaty whiskey and i like, oh, I, I, like I enjoyed it for a little bit and then i i went a bit hard on it and just couldn't drink it anymore and it's kind of like a running joke in the family that like every christmas and birthday he gets this bottle and i would have like six on the shelf that i just couldn't touch oh. um, but what's funny is now I, I was discussing this with someone the other day um in desperate times, I would open up one of those bottles, you know, if I didn't have anything else in, I'd be sitting on my own. And I would see myself with the struggle of like sitting on my own, my wife's gone to bed, and I'm just like, I need another drink, just one or just two. I'd be like, but I haven't got anything good in, apart from this stuff that I've just kind of grosses me out. (laughs) I was the same with Jameson's because Jameson was was on my rider. Yeah. So think about every show I did, there was a bottle of Jameson's. So like I'm talking, I would have at any given time, 25 liters of Jameson's in my house. There alcohol. was more alcohol in my house than you could shake a stick at. I had this big black tub. And I mean like an industrial tub, like six foot long, that that was where the alcohol lived in the, co- like in a, in a corridor outside in the garage bit. 
it's just excessive amounts but back to the question of like if I ever thought about why of mm-hmm. course retrospectively I've considered why and here's one of my main observations about being a sober person is that if I go to a party and that party is great mm-hmm. it's a great party with really interesting people at it and I have a great time and I I'm not the kind like all my friends drink mm-hmm. like at my sober birthday and my birthday party that I'm having I don't care if people drink that's fine that's totally your bag and if you're like drunk people are funny I'm not well I am actually <laughs> yeah and I hit a wall yeah, yeah um if you go to a party and it's boring and it's shit I would leave now because I'm like this party sucks mm-hmm. whereas if I was if I was drinking I'd start drinking because being drunk or drinking enables you to be totally bored without realizing it absolutely and you almost have a party with yourself in that respect yeah we just don't care just don't care i've got too much respect for myself now to spend the night trying to make a come on guys let's rally together and make this fun and i think to some extent re-evaluating your life because i think part of this is you re-evaluate life it's not just about the drinking it's about everything um you work out what's important and what's not And then all of a sudden I came to the conclusion that actually my time's really important. And then you realize that actually like you start to decline stuff or start to leave things that you think I'm not going to enjoy that. Um, And that's a waste of my time. And I've only got so much and I'd rather spend it with this person or this person or doing this personal project or this creative act. Um, and you find that, you know, rather than going to that kind of boring party or, or at least not staying there for particularly long, you go, actually, I can go home and write a song or I can go and practice something or I can go and paint or read a book. Um, and they're not boring still things. still social, like, and, and I'll still go, I mean, pre-COVID, I don't think karaoke is going to be a thing ever again because, like, fuck sharing a microphone with mm-hmm. people. Yeah. It's you know, disgusting. You like a little... Cover it's like it. sharing a lollipop with someone yeah never smell a microphone the absolute foul um but like i i drunk culture and like i enjoy going to bars and stuff and like being around some drunk people depending mm. but you wouldn't catch me doing that anymore no no it's it's yeah, like you say it's it's that thing of just you you have that filter the filter's like, I'm not bothered about that anymore. I can move. It's really interesting, actually, speaking to somebody. You could probably weigh in on this. Because um, I'm 31 with a kid and getting older and, and you know, getting more, I don't know, um, less bothered about getting levered, even when I was drinking and, and going out to pubs and, and, and bars and stuff like that. But I was speaking to a lovely lady, um, Izzy, who's who uh, has a podcast called lowercase sober she's i'm gonna say she's 26 it's quite a bit younger than me um and she had a, a different approach that that actually yeah she could totally leave she had the yeah, she had the thing she would just leave if it got boring but also if it was good she had more energy to stay out and she enjoyed it just as much um which is kind of opposite to what a few quite a lot of the people that i've spoken to who are perhaps in their 40s and that uh, you know that are kind of like I'm out of here. See you later. I'm knackered. Um, but actually she found that not drinking gave her the energy to stay out longer and party more and dance harder. And, and I, that's, that is me all over yeah, that. That's really uh, all cool. All over. 
and like I'll be the last one at the club half six in the morning with a red boy in my back pocket like driving there well, that's why I absolutely hate that everyone's like will you give me a lift home and I'm like yeah. fuck off get a taxi dickhead <laughs> and then like I've been I go to like takeaways with everyone when they're like smashing a pizza down their face because they're hanging and I'm like oh yeah I'll try to have some chicken and some chips or whatever and then I get it and I'm like this food is foul yeah yeah, yeah. this is disgusting <laughs> and you see them all like snaffing it away oh this is the best shit I've ever eaten and I'm like dude this fucking chicken is frozen in the middle. Yeah, because you, you wouldn't, don't even realize. You wouldn't even look at it if you were pissed. You wouldn't nope. even look at the food, would you? You know, the amount of times I've dropped a pizza and just picked it back up. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the guy behind the counter, I took my chicken back because it was like literally it was cold, and it just come out of the fire, so it was like still frozen. And he kind of looked at me, and I, I did think you've just realized I'm sober. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> then he gave me a lovely, a lovely takeaway after that. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> it's like the kebab guys are like watching out for the sober people. Like, yeah, isn't it? Uh, it's like We've health got inspectors. One. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Quick, get the good food. And like, yeah, the uh, like the back wall kind of like flips over. Like, <laughs> and it's all good stuff. That uh, sounds like a Simpsons sketch, doesn't it? Yeah. I love it. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to the good folks over at One Year No Beer. One Year No Beer have been instrumental during my booze break journey. I signed up to the 90 day challenge on there and the help that both Ruri, Andy, as well as the One Year No Beer Facebook group have given throughout this time has been so valuable. By signing up, I was given access to a ton of helpful resources as well as their amazing Facebook community with over 20,000 members. I get an email first thing every morning with a video highlighting a helpful tip or useful strategies to use throughout the day. Watching these has been such a positive way to start my morning routine and I can't thank them enough. I love One Year No Beer so much that I reached out to them recently and they kindly agreed to help support me in the podcast, which I'm so grateful for. So if you're interested in following in my footsteps and taking on either a 28-day, 90-day or 365-day challenge, you can head over to my website and on the homepage there'll be a One Year No Beer banner that you can click on and sign up for your challenge. I can highly recommend the guys at One Year No Beer and by signing up through my website you'll be helping to support the show, which would really mean a lot to me. But for now, back to the episode. So you're, you're coming up to a year, which is... Yes. incredible do you was there a point where your mindset switched what i mean by that is did it just become was there a point where you just went i'm never i'm never drinking again and i'm finding it really easy to do that to yeah, say that. i felt that that i woke up after that night i actually oh, really? had a bit i had a cobra that day with a curry on the 28th of july yeah and that was it yeah and I went on a 39-day tour in October. I went to Vegas with my friends in January. Not a problem. Like, it just, the light just went on. That's awesome. And, like, I'm I'm absolutely lucky and blessed to have been in that position. But it comes from a place of absolutely fucking caning yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, ruining things doing stuff you wouldn't do and then realizing that's not me i'm actually not that person yeah so i'm not doing this anymore i don't know if you had the insane uh sweet cravings in the first bit still of- in it still in it man. Like, yeah i'm like i'm boshing dr pepper like it's nobody's business <laughs> at the moment um, mine was cake yeah like but i'm i'm lucky and unlucky in the fact that um i'm purely plant-based 
and I try and stick to that uh, as much as physically possible. So like getting chocolates difficult, and that's made it a bit easier because like. Can you eat dark chocolate? Certain types, as long as it's just got no milk in it, I'm good. I'm not like a diehard vegan because I've got I'm a lactose so intolerant. So I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Galaxy do one, um, and I'm like as a part of stopping drinking it's got knock-on effects to things like weight loss. And then you go, oh shit, like I'm losing weight. Let's keep going with this. Let's actually look at my diet and go, how can I harness this? How can I um, leverage all this amazing energy that I've got? Let's go on like harder bike rides. I'm going to try and get into um, the gym. I've been in the gym in two years. My body's been broken as a result of like drinking, like joint pains and stuff like that. And a lot of that's like alleviated um so you you start to you put your mindset onto other things um but yeah uh like the if, sweet, if sweet. anything i'm like a i'm a textbook example of that yeah like i never exercised in my life <laughs> i did spots here and there yeah um and now i work out every day apart from one day a week you look incredible as well and you're super and fit i i like have a macronutrient diet plan like 50% of my diet is carbs 30% is protein 20% is fat like I give a shit Mm -hmm. about my life and my body has that been a good way of using up your mind like you know like the the mind the 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 thought pro you know this is a really shit way of putting it but is it been a great way of kind of pushing your thoughts onto something else other than alcohol is you just go full in on fitness and exercise and nutrition the thing is it's not just um it's not just alcohol that i'll go all the way in on like Mm -hmm. in the past yeah so i've completely changed i've completely rewired my entire like being i have relied on people i've Mm -hmm. used people as crutches my entire life could never be alone i have used food to make myself feel better I've used alcohol to make myself feel better. I've used drugs to make myself feel better. I've used prescription drugs to make myself feel better. I go on the charm offensive to make people like me because it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. That is all for a dopamine mm-hmm. d- dopamine hit. We like getting loads of likes on Facebook and Instagram because it gives us dopamine. Totally. That's literally, we're like, oh yeah, it's success. Mm-hmm. And if you remove alcohol, like you do a shot, you're like, bam, yeah, dopamine. Have a nice whiskey, bam, yeah, dopamine. Eat a donut, bam, dopamine. I realized that 99% of the things that I was getting dopamine from, people, is it's just so unhealthy. Yeah. So to a degree, yeah, like I throw myself into exercise, but I de- people are like, oh, that must be horrible to do that. I'm like, I love it. I love training other people. Like I trained somebody today. I trained a different person yesterday. Um, I I see people working out in the park and I want to go over and be like, do you want want me to train you for an hour? Mm. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I mean, spread that good message, spread the wealth, you Mm. know. Um, I I, I think it's really positive what you're doing and it it gets me motivated because I'm like, Lucy's doing all this shit on Instagram that's really healthy and beneficial. I should be doing something like that, maybe. This is the thing. It's like, once you get it in your head that this is like a good thing, once once all the pollution is gone, it's so easy. Yeah. 
I would never have if if a year ago you'd have told me this is what I would be doing now, I'd have told you to get fucked. Yeah, yeah. And I would not believe you. And I think a lot of that comes from the perception of what it what it is to be someone who doesn't drink. You know, you think yeah. it's boring. You think it's this kind of like almost like Buddhist type vibe of just like, oh, you know, I don't do anything. I just like eat leaves and like read. Um, and yeah, to some extent, that's kind of me now, but um, it's not boring. And and the things that you found boring when you were drinking aren't boring, but also all the stuff that you did enjoy when you were drinking, I enjoy a hundred times more. That might be, yeah. I might be exaggerating that a little bit, but um, like I was out on my bike. Oh, you're in the moment. Yeah. Like I, I love exercise. I can't run, um, but because my, uh, my ankles are knackered, but so I, I love cycling. Um, what did you do to your ankle? I've got, um, it's really gross. I've got a cyst in my bone. So it's like a hole in my bone and it like, um, it just kills. I've got gout as well as a result of alcohol. Oh, for God's sake. I know, 31, <laughs> I've got gout. Um, and I've got, I've got liver problems and stuff. Uh, so, wow. and all of that. It's funny. Do you know, it's funny that you were like, you know, at the very, very beginning of this conversation, we were talking about AA and stuff and mm -hmm. how you're like, yeah, no, like I'm not an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. And then the more stuff you say out loud, yeah. you think, I was drinking on my own when my wife was in bed. Yeah. And like, I gave myself fucking gout. Yeah, I got gout. Like, then you think. Maybe, maybe, maybe there was a problem. There was definitely a problem. There was definitely yeah, a problem. Like, oh, for sure. Like, I wouldn't have done this if I didn't think there was an issue with alcohol yeah. at all. But um, it's, it's just funny how we frame ourselves, isn't it? I think, um, I think the, prop, the, the issue with just cracking open a beer, sorry. Big Drop. Non-alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but shout out to Big Drop. Uh, oh, we, I love Big Drop. We've got Citra IPA. Oh, that's the city. Paradiso. So good. Um, and uh, my, my absolute favourite, although the vegans are going to be shouting at me, but there's a milk stout that Big Drop do. And, you naughty thing. I know. Also, that one's got lactose in it, so that one's not vegan friendly either. It's not, no. Oh, this has got lactose in it. I believe so. Have a look, because I'm lactose intolerant, and I look. <laughs> shit, I it has. Yeah, man. Oh my god, I'm the, shit. Go. I'm the crappiest vegan ever. Boom. My my thing. Sorry. My thing. My thing with veganism was always like, like it's 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 like again, it's like more of a plant based diet than a vegan, because again, I've got leather sofa and shit. Um, yeah. Was uh, like if if you invited me around for dinner, I wouldn't say cool, but I'm vegan. I'd be like, right. I, I would literally eat like it's. It's just like it's. It's almost. Like I want you to. Oh my god, I'd hate that. If it was more of a, a challenge. It was a bit like a bit like stopping alcohol. Really, it was more of a challenge to me to just sort of think. Well, I'll have a go. I just stuck with it. The issue that I have with the term alcoholic is um, the fact that a lot of people don't associate with it because there's this idea of what an alcoholic is. And in the media, it's portrayed as someone who's like down and out, kind of like the homeless guy or whatever, um, or the person who's like can't hold a relationship, really struggling, red nose, red cheeks, you know, malnourished, all that kind of thing. Um, so I think the, the, the danger of that is people who do have a problem with alcohol don't associate with that alcoholic and therefore don't feel like they've got an issue. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that's why I really like the stove analogy because actually yeah. for one thing, I've been to multiple AA meetings um, and I don't like them. No. Um, but I wanted to learn about that side of like alcoholism and non-drinkers or whatever. Um, but 
that's what I like about the, the stove analogy is that if you can't stop fucking up, mm. then you you're an alcoholic. Yeah, if you can't get through a, um, a sober for October, you've probably got yeah, you've probably got some dependency. You know, yeah. Some. If you like, if you call lesbians dykes, then you're probably homophobe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's an easy one. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you don't like somebody who based on the colour of their skin or their culture, you're probably racist. Absolutely. So it's an it's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? But yeah, I think there's there there is that portrayal in the media of what an alcoholic is. Um but actually I think there is a there is a a scale and I think you can have an issue with drinking and still not and not associate as being an alcoholic. And um uh, but you still I think that there's some you it's that that at that point you need to maybe have a little think about addressing the addressing the issue addressing the life and yeah. um it doesn't necessarily mean go into aa you know what i mean yeah but the yeah the the so the the exercise thing like when when i go on my bike now i am so much faster so much more committed and i'm enjoying it a hundred times more you know like I'm, I'm i'm in it uh like i remember like i would go on like a 20 mile bike ride 30 mile bike ride i boshed like two three liters of water on the ride you know because i was so dehydrated i'd have to drag yes. myself out of bed to get out on a, on a on a bike ride and stuff whereas now i could wake up at like half six get a bike ride in before work if i wanted to i don't do it but I could, <laughs> I totally could do yeah. that. And, well, it uh, just opens up your world, doesn't it? A hundred percent. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on what role alcohol is has within the music industry because the, you get that vibe of the star parties, you know, riders and things like that. You know, getting levered after a gig. Was that is that real? Yeah. 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 And like alcohol is the currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. I can get free alcohol at any time, mm-hmm. like anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> anywhere. Um, like after a show, you just say to a tour manager, "Can you just go and get me a bottle of whiskey?" Bam, it's there. And yeah, you can get anything you want. Um, I'm not even, you know, I'm like not a mainstream artist. I play big shows. Um, yeah, I could get a few thousand people in a room each night on tour that touring culture it's you know oh my god the stuff i've done on Mm -hmm. tour buses like (laughs) i had a tour rep once who said um like lucy's completely out of control and i've toured with marilyn manson lucy's worse than marilyn manson i love that i i always (laughs) i always imagined marilyn manson was pretty like low-key i reckon it was chilled he said i was the worst person he'd ever toured with for like being a fucking liability I would wake up like one o'clock in the afternoon on the tour bus because it's sound check time. And my tour manager would be giving me like 15 minute intervals. You're going to have to get up. I'd be like, I need some fizzy water. Like I'm going to fucking puke. Please get me a burger. Crazy. And the thing is, I like got rid of a lot of naysayers in my, um, sorry, a lot of yaysayers in my life. So I had a fuckload of enablers around me. That's got to be the problem. Not once really did anyone say, your dick. Mm. Stop it. Were these people that like worked for you? Yeah. Yeah. So they want to. I'm friends. I'm family. Oh, right. Like okay. some of the closest people to me. But yeah, people that work for me. You yeah. know, if I was a tour manager and my artist was getting that fucked up, like that they were shaking before a show and like felt they're going to be sick, 
they're not performing their best show. Like I did, I played a show in Rock City maybe last year or the year before last. And like, I was so fucking hungover for that show. My vocals were shit. My performance was shit. I spent the whole time in my head. I'm like, that's not fair to an audience. No. And like rock and roll is so sold to you as being, you know, fucking fast pace, do all the gear, drink all the drink. Like, um, what I actually think is the most rock and roll thing in the world is being a sober musician who tours, makes money doing what they fucking love doing. Mm-hmm. That's rock and roll. Totally. I made a woman, made a woman in this industry and fucking shit up sober is rock and roll. hundred percent. And I think there's going to be a lot of musicians out there that can totally gel with that. There's, there's got to be, it's got to be tough. Like, was it tough when, you know, the first time you went and like, uh, because I imagined you toured after going um, sober, were those first few gigs, were they tough? Like, because you had that kind of- They weren't tough. I I don't know about you, but I like, I don't use, using um, non-alcoholic beer is a like weird term. Mm -hmm. But like, I drink a lot of non-alcoholic beer. I drink a lot of tonic water. I drink a lot of drinks that taste like alcohol because I like the taste of alcohol. Um, And so I just swapped everything out onto my rider and obviously put cake on my rider. Sure. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Got to. Um, But no, I was enjoying sobriety that much and like the engagement with my audience and stuff so much more that it was easy. I love that. I love that that wasn't a struggle for you. And so the big band, I've got like a tour coming up in November and they'll be like, my crew is like 12 people, the band's five people, tour manager, lighting director, MD. And I'm just going to say, there's no booze on the bus. Yeah. Get, go and get pissed if you like, but just don't bring booze on my bus. Yeah. It's, it's not the vibe. Perfectly valid thing to ask for, isn't it? You know? Yeah. It's like, but it's like saying don't bring weed. Or yeah. don't bring coke. I've always said, actually. Yeah. I've always said, just don't like, don't bother with drugs on my bus because mm-hmm. I've got a dog, and like, I never wanted him to pick anything up. No, done. no, this is it. So this re- new relationship with alcohol and the fact that you don't drink has that opened up any doors to other amazing different aspects of your life other than, let's say, fitness. Yeah, like sober people. Okay, that's cool. Are great. And food. I enjoy food a lot more. Like I can taste things more and appreciate things more. I um yeah, like everything. I am a better auntie. I'm a better daughter. Um I am less angry. That's an interesting one. Because I've been quite angry my whole life. And um, I listen, which I never did. A lot of people say that. Uh, I don't think I ever really gave a shit about what anyone else had to say because I was talking. And now I kind of look at people that I thought I liked and I listen to them talk and I think, you're a bit of a dick. Yeah. And then there are people who I listen talk to talk and think, I never knew you had this side to you. That's really powerful. And it's exhilarating to um identify good people have you had to leave quite a few people behind as a result of not drinking yes 
and kind of a lot of that's been natural because like a lot of new people have filtered into my life anyway um but yeah I've left people behind and there are people who I'm far more reluctant there are people who've left me behind yeah that's interesting because they they can't bear the thought of um being around sober person which is me back then yeah I'd be like oh they don't drink fuck that yeah and that was a you issue rather than a them issue yeah yeah like I had a friend who um I was in New York and I think I was about three or four months sober and we just went out for, for drinks whatever food and he got a beer and um held it under my nose he pushed this beer under my nose and he, are you sure you don't want some I slapped him around the face. A dick move. I slapped him around the face. It was just a knee-jerk reaction. And I was like, that is fucking not funny, mate. Mm. Not fucking funny. I, like, went on a date with, like, a girl who was like, oh, are you sure? Like, actually multiple. Do you want a drink? Do you want a drink? Do you want a drink? I had to say, if you ask me one more time if I want a shot, I'm fucking leaving. Mm. It's weird. It's on them though. Yeah. Have you had much experience of dating since going sober? What's that been like? It's not something that I would go into until I'm fully divorced. Sure. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah. No. The reason why I ask is, is I've spoken to people about it and it's different. It's weird. It's, it's, it's a unique way of looking at it because you've never done it before. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it's, it's a topic in itself, how you broach the subject of, you know, what do you do? Do you try and pick someone who's sober as well? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with the fact that they, they drink? You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there. We're going to wrap this up, Lucy, because you've been so, um, so generous with your time and your thoughts and your story. If you could give one piece of advice for anybody who's looking to start to, to reevaluate, to take a break from alcohol, what do you think it'd be? It's more like a it's more like a recruitment line than it is a piece of advice. But I can guarantee right now that you will not regret it, and that initially you'll be like, you might even be sad because I was sad for the first month. I was like, what the fuck is this? Until I realised that I was actually feeling things for the first time in a very long time, and I opened up the fact that I can actually feel things. Like instead of being happy and getting pissed or like being sad and getting pissed, I was happy or I was sad mm-hmm. or I was angry or, but at least I was feeling those things. So like my advice to somebody would be just give it a go, man. That's great advice. And do do it in your time. That's amazing. Yeah. Give it a go. Be prepared to feel things. Oh, be prepared and be prepared to eat fucking nine bags of Haribo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Where's the best place um, for people to find you? Where can we book tickets to go and see your stuff? If you search Lucy Spragan on Google, uh, you can find my uh, my website and it's got everything on there. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the Booze Break podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. All right. That was Lucy Spragan. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I really gelled with a lot of the experiences that Lucy shared, apart from all the rock star ones. And what a really positive example of what you can do when you go alcohol free, even when you work in a party hard industry that uses alcohol as a currency. I'm so grateful to Lucy for coming onto the show. You can check out Lucy on Instagram, uh, which is at L Spragan. That's at L S P R A 
double G A N. Or you can head over to lucyspragan.com and check out her website. Her new album, Choices, is due for release on the 16th of October and is available for pre-order right now. So definitely go and check that out. Remember, you can get in touch via the website where I will have links to all of the things discussed in the show notes of the episode. Um, Just go to boozebreakpodcast.com, click episodes and click episode 10 for this particular interview. You can also get in touch on Instagram and Facebook, which are both at boozebreakpodcast.com. And if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could take the time to leave me a rating or review on wherever you listen to podcasts. This makes a huge difference to getting more reach for the show and getting it out to more people. So if you do find yourselves being able to take the time to do that, I'd really appreciate it. For now, though, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.